Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. Today, we are entering the third chapter of Ruth, and I hope you are enjoying this study so far. Someone mentioned once that Ruth is often overlooked in the Bible, and when a message is preached, it is often with a focus on the Redeemer aspect, which is wonderful, but there is so much more tucked inside this little book of 84 verses. The events in chapter 3 mainly take place in one night, and what a night it is. The harvests have officially ended, and this spurs Naomi into action. As we read in verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Naomi is determined to secure a husband and a future for Ruth, which is a kind gesture for sure, one that may reveal she does care and wants Ruth to be taken care of, to have a chance at a good life with all that entails, such as a strong, kind husband who can provide her with a home and the social standing that could be given to this Moabite girl. As a woman, however, Naomi cannot just approach Boaz with a marriage proposal, but that doesn't mean she can do nothing. Naomi has had time to conjure up the perfect way to bring this need to the attention of Boaz. In verses 2 through 4, we read, And now is not Boaz of her kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Naomi has done her homework and is well aware of Boaz's activities. The men are spending the night at the threshing floor after they've worked all day. Now, I did hear that this was to possibly protect against potential raids. Remember, this was the time of the judges and Israel was not always on good terms with their neighbors, but this was just something I heard. I haven't been able to confirm it, but it's an interesting thought to consider. It might also have been a time of celebration, especially since this is the first harvest after the unknown time of famine and they are excited to enjoy a season of plenty. Naomi also seems to have it on good authority that Boaz and his men will be eating and drinking, which she may be counting on to put him in a very agreeable mood. I have to say that I absolutely love Naomi's dating advice. She tells Ruth to wash herself, anoint herself, which might be similar to putting on some perfume, wearing her nicest dress, and waltzing herself right down there to where the men are staying. I mean, some of this could be applied today. Not not all of it, of course, but make sure you smell good and you look good and you make yourself available. But wait, it gets better. After she goes to all this trouble to make sure she looks her very best. She needs to sneak into the camp once the men are all asleep, uncover the feet of Boaz, and go to sleep. I have to be honest, this always makes me smile every time because up to this point it sounds like a nice evening, a chance to meet with the one you like, but now she's told that she needs to find his feet uncover them and go to sleep. This is not my idea of the perfect date, but Naomi understands that this is what is needed to be done. She completely puts the ball in Boaz's court, telling Ruth that he will know what to do. And Ruth has such a wonderful response in verses five and six. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Ruth follows Naomi's instructions to the letter. But I have to be honest that I might not have been as accommodating when things are strange and even uncomfortable. I tend to clam up or even retreat completely, but not Ruth. She takes that same determination and courage applied to going out to a strange field to glean, to enter a threshing floor at night where women 
did not commonly go. It is moments like this that your admiration continues to grow for such a woman. I also want to go back to the point I made early in this study about how Ruth chose to release the reins of her life to another. She has submitted herself to Naomi, and this instant is just another confirmation of her commitment to this decision, which has led her to the feet of Boaz. Now I'm going to read a larger section of the chapter now so we can grasp the entire scene. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. That was verses 7 through 15. A lot has transpired in these verses, but I love how Ruth approaches softly. Without detection, she uncovers his feet and simply lays down to wait for him to finally notice again that waiting principle. It is interesting to note that the phrase used regarding Boaz waking up, he was afraid and turned himself. The word afraid means to shudder with terror, which could indicate that maybe he had a bad dream, which caused him to turn and wake up. Of course, seeing a woman laying at your feet, no doubt, was also very unexpected and startling, prompting him to ask who was there. Again, Ruth takes on a humble attitude and says that she is Ruth, one of his handmaids. But she also makes a very specific request. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Basically, she is asking him to marry her. And by his response, he's pretty delighted. He blesses her for her kindness, saying that she has not followed us after other young men, whether they would have been rich or poor. There are a couple of points to be made from this statement. First is that Boaz seems to be indicating that he was not a young man himself since he points out her kindness by approaching him. We will never know the exact age of either Ruth or Boaz, but if I were to take a guess, since women were often married at a younger age, I would estimate Ruth to be somewhere between 26 and 30. Remember that she had been married for 10 years. Since Boaz makes it a point to mention age, I would guess that he is probably in his early 40s. The other thing I want to point out is the word followists, which means carry away, pursue following. So you could say that Boaz is telling Ruth she's no flirt. She is not a woman to throw herself at the next available man, no matter who he was. Since she was a woman of discretion and dignity that had not gone unnoticed, as is revealed in the next verse, where he says, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Let those words sink in. Let's stop just for a second to think about this. For the entirety of the story, she has been called Ruth the Moabitess. 
a woman of Moab, born out of incest and worshipers of a false god who even at times asked for human sacrifices. The entire city of Bethlehem did not have one bad thing to say about her. Not one. In fact, they have given her a new name. She is known as a virtuous woman. That is powerful. She who considered herself an outcast, has managed to win over an entire town and change their mind about their preconceived notions of her people. This has always blown my mind and elevated Ruth to an entirely new level in my book. How many of us can say this about our behavior? So often we are just the opposite. We come in with a good reputation, but after a few weeks, we manage to go down a notch or two by our actions and especially our words. This is an incredible reminder of the importance of a good name, of being mindful of the power of our day-to-day actions. Ruth had no idea that this is what people were saying about her or what they thought of her. She simply lived her life, cared for Naomi, and worked hard. But our daily living is what matters the most, how we interact with others every day. And what we say when we are with other people carries meaning. Every day we build or tear down our reputation, but it is always harder to repair what has been torn down. It takes much more work and conscious effort. May we be women to take a moment to consider the cost of every word and action we permit. I want to point out something else. Of all the women in the Bible, it is Ruth alone that is given the title virtuous woman. This is why I do believe that she is the woman behind Proverbs 31, but we can get into that another time. As we move forward, Boaz tells her that he is eager to fulfill her request, which may mean he really liked her too. But here is where the glitch comes into Naomi's grand plan. She forgot that there was one who is closer in the family tree than Boaz. I love how honest Boaz is. He is not one to alter or tweak the law to suit him. He is a man of honor that is willing to follow it no matter the cost to his own happiness. Even though there is a major bump in the road, I admire how calm and assuring Boaz is to Ruth. He tells her that if this man will not do do his duty, he will marry her. His words must have been such a comfort to her. Think for a moment that our reaction can influence someone else. Imagine if Boaz had reacted in a panic or with worry or woe is me, what are we going to do? This could have set Ruth off on a similar path of emotion, but instead he became a strong pillar she could lean on. What is our reaction when things don't go our way? Do we raise a fuss and get mad making everyone else uncomfortable or do we take a breath, pray and trust God? What kind of influence would we have on others if we did? We should be a people who encourage others to rest in the goodness and faithfulness of God by our actions and words. I believe that this is why both Boaz and Ruth were able to rest for the remainder of the evening. They both valued the other's reputation and they trusted in the Lord with all their heart. They were not leaning on their own understanding. This is a wonderful lesson that we all can benefit from for sure. Now, before anyone can really discern one person from another, Boaz tells Ruth to leave, which is another quality I admire about him. He was guarding her reputation. He was not going to allow anyone to think or talk bad about Ruth, even though nothing had taken place between them that they were ashamed of. People still can talk, though. And as a man of honor, he protected her from potential gossip and slander. I once read a challenge an older man 
gave to younger men that it is their responsibility to guard and protect a girl's heart and reputation. Their actions needed to be above reproach, making sure that they were honorable in all that they did with girls so that nothing could ever be spoken ill or even twisted into a rumor. Of course, girls should be careful who they hang out with, but I want to caution you to not let men take advantage of you or putting you in a situation where you suddenly become the center of rumors. A man who often singles out girls to talk to without the intention of pursuing a relationship can cause a lot of hurt and should be careful himself. I have had so many friends share a broken heart with me because they thought a guy was interested due to his always singling them out in conversation and hanging out with them only to find out that he just saw her as a friend. This is why I encourage girls to be selective in their associations. Of course, it is okay to hang out in small groups. It's safe to get to know someone, but I would say to make your main core of friends other girls. You don't want to be caught in the middle of a false rumor or gain a reputation as the girl that always hangs out with the guys. Be with men who care about your reputation and would never put you in a situation that damages it and guards your heart as well. You will never regret placing those boundaries around you, I promise. And the fact that Boaz did this for Ruth is nothing short of admirable. And he goes a step further by making sure that she doesn't return home to Naomi empty-handed, but fills up her veil with barley. Of course, Naomi is eagerly waiting her return as we read in the remaining three verses of chapter three. And when she came to her mother-in-law and said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. As soon as Ruth enters the door, Naomi is eager to know what happened. Did Boaz say yes to Ruth's marriage proposal? Would she soon become Mrs. Boaz? Her daughter-in-law shares every detail of what had transpired during her visit, including the fact that everything did not go according to Naomi's plan. Now they faced a bump in the road. Actually, it's really more like a major roadblock. While Ruth had openly declared her admiration and perhaps even affection for Boaz in making the bold move to propose to him, she has now started something that cannot be stopped which could end with her being obligated to marry someone else, someone she didn't even know or respect. Try putting yourself in this situation. You have risked everything for the chance to marry the one you love, even bending some of the traditional rules by approaching the man, discovering that he likes you too, but there is one thing that could hinder it all. You walk home unsure of what the day will bring, a future with someone who you admire and love or someone who doesn't even care about you. This was Ruth's situation, and it is at this moment that Naomi speaks with wisdom by telling her to sit still until she knows how the matter will fall. I absolutely love this part of the story because it teaches us a powerful lesson. Sitting still is never easy, but it is necessary and often is done during extreme moments of pressure and uncertainty. Our nature when things are getting rough and we are looking into a precarious future is often to run to the nearest family member or friend to vent or frantically look for a way to fix it or even get out completely. But not Ruth and Naomi. They did the exact opposite. They took a seat and waited. This can be one of the hardest things you will ever do because we tend to be people of action. And there are times when this is a good step, but sometimes the best thing you can do is wait. My mind goes back to the Israelites when their backs were up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. 
They were in a state of pure panic, but Moses told them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. If we are busy trying to solve the problem ourselves or running around in a frenzy, we will often miss out on seeing what God can and will do for us. It is in these moments that we need to sit still, wait on the Lord, and let him be God. For Naomi, her assurance was based on the character of Boaz, but ours comes from the character of God, the one who said he will never leave us or forsake us, the one who promised that no good thing will he withhold from them that love him, the one who said all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose, the one who said he loves us, with an everlasting love. This is the one who asks us to sit still as his cherished daughter and wait on him. When we focus on these truths, we can have the peace that passes all understanding. So let's set our mind on this during every season of life, even the ones that seem frightening and foreboding. And this is where I want to end today's episode. Make plans to come back next week for the conclusion on the story of Ruth. If you have enjoyed this so far, I would love it if you left a review for the podcast. It's super simple and super helpful to me. Also, if you ever have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me, learning to sit still at gmail.com. I hope you have a wonderful day, my friends. Let's be women who trust in the Lord, who are willing to sit still and believe in the character of our God who loves us with an everlasting love and whispers in our hearts. Sit still, my daughter. I have everything under control. Mm -hmm.